Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Thank you so much, Pastor James. Um, thank you for this opportunity to share the word today. I really appreciate it. And you know, we didn't plan this, but this is uh, the end of Women's History Month. And so it's just amazing. Uh, just a big shout out to all my female image bearers in here. Male image bearers, female image bearers, we are here to represent the glory of God. And uh, I've always appreciated your support, Pastor James, and your care. I have to fix my prop. My sheep looks sad. He needs to get up like this. You'll find out why he's here in a minute, but he looks better there. So, so like was mentioned, today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we recognize and we remember the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem as he's getting ready. It's the beginning of Holy Week. And then our celebration next Sunday for Resurrection Sunday, the great hope of, of the Christian faith that Christ not only died from the, for our sins, but he rose from the dead. So it's very exciting. And it is the final week of our I Am devotional as well. And so I hope that you've been enjoying going through that. I know I've been enjoying the SOAP method, taking time to go through the scriptures. And in the various small groups I'm involved with, we've been talking about what is the great I Am, and it's been such rich conversations. And so I just want to point out today that uh, we are going to uh, it's going to switch a little bit this week. We're going to go, be going into a seven-day Easter devotional. And so uh, what we're going to be studying for the next seven days are the seven metaphorical I am statements in the book of John. We'll look at one every day. And as you go through it, this time there's a little bit of commentary provided for you. But as we go through it, I just want you to be watching for that every one of these seven sayings of Jesus, these uh, metaphorical sayings. There's either a feast of one of the Jewish festivals mentioned or a miracle that Jesus did, or sometimes there's both. For instance, uh, in, when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, he's celebrating the Passover, but he also multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Why is that important? Well, it's fascinating to see the depth of the word of God. How it's not just one thing, but then there's layers and layers. And I have been walking with Jesus for, it'll be in December, 40 years. And I, I, it's amazing how time flies. But I'm so grateful that somebody took the time to teach me how to walk with Christ. And we call that discipleship, uh, going along with the Bible, it says that. And somebody taught me how to, to read this word of God and taught me the daily importance of reading the word. And it's been my habit these, for almost 40 years. Now, I can't say I've been perfect. It's not like I haven't missed some days. But it's been my habit. And I'm still so blown away the depth of this book. 
how I think I know something and then another layer and another layer. And my prayer for you as you go through this week that you'll just continue to learn something new about Jesus, our great king. It never gets old. I can read some good novels a couple of times, but 40 years and it never gets old, this Bible, this word of God. And so um, I encourage you to, and I hope that you enjoy going through this last week. It's really been a blessing to do this together. I've been blessed seeing people bring their books in. And today, I think, what page are we on now? For page 85, you can write sermon notes. So, um, so today, like I said, is Palm Sunday. And the question I want to start with today as we look at the picture is, who is riding on that donkey? If you've grown up in church, you, you could answer me, as a matter of fact, if I were to go down to the toddler cl classroom and ask the toddlers, and side note, if you've never church served in children's ministry, I highly recommend it. They are so cute. <laughs> and what a privilege to be able to sow the word of God into young people's hearts. But if I went in the toddler classroom and I said, who's riding on that donkey? Every hand would shoot up, and they would say, Jesus. And I'd say, yes, right answer. Here's your goldfish crackers. Good job. So that's the, I mean, that is the obvious answer. But I want to ask us in here today a deeper question. Who is riding on that donkey? Let's pray. God, I pray as we gaze upon you again in this I Am series, the author and finisher of our faith, I pray that we would get to know you in such a deep way that everything as we continue to learn about you and grow in the knowledge of you, that you would reveal yourself to every heart. You know where every person's at, whether they're in this room or online. You know their story. You care deeply. And I pray you'd reveal yourself to every heart today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you see in week seven, we're going to focus in today on the theme of I am the good shepherd. And so um, as we're doing that, I want to draw from three things. Number one, I want to draw from the limited experience I have with sheep. And then we're going to draw from someone who was actually a shepherd. And then we're going to also draw from what Jesus said in the scriptures about uh, sheep and shepherding. It's interesting of these seven metaphorical I am statements that um, Jesus, uh, two of the seven are found in John chapter 10. Pastor James started last week with I am the door, and I'm just going to keep going where he left off. And um, this makes sense because shepherding and sheep, watching over sheep was a common vocation in Jesus' time. So they could really grasp what he's saying. And... Um, it's so important to remember that th these things that Jesus, he really wants us to understand. So first of all, let's talk about my own experience with sheep. You might not know this about me, but I grew up on a farm, and here's some pictures of where I grew up. Uh, that's the barn where we kept our cows, and then in the middle, that's the, the sh where we kept the sheep, and then um, one of them giving birth there. And then there's my dad, he's giving... Um, water to the ram, and they're getting some water there. And then this last one's a little fuzzy, but it's an old picture, sorry. <laughs> um, that's me in the red, my brother, my dad, and some of our sheep. What I can tell you about sheep is they need a lot of help. They're pretty helpless creatures. 
So they need to be fed, they need to be watered. Every year they grow wool, a thick, uh, you know, thick wool that they don't shed themselves. They need someone to come and shear it off every year. If they don't, they'll get overheated, they could get diseases. I can remember my dad, we would be out in our sheep house and he'd flip the sheep over and he'd have to trim their hooves because if he didn't, they'd get this thing called foot rot. One time, one of our ewes had triplets and they could only carry, care for two of the three. So we actually took the third one into our kitchen. We had a pretty big farm kitchen in a big cardboard box. We took care of that lamb, fed it by the bottle until it was old enough to go out and be with the others. Sheep need a lot of help. <laughs> and the other person I want to draw from is an author named Philip Keller. He was an actual shepherd. His parents were missionaries in East Africa. So he grew up and he was an actual shepherd. He's written many books, but two I want to highlight today is a, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm and a shepherd looks at the good shepherd. If you haven't read them, they're classic, um, this, especially the 23rd Psalm one, beautiful books. But it's important to know that when the people in Jesus' time heard, they didn't see a barn like what I had, a farm. They would have a Middle Eastern mindset. And so we need to remember what it would be like for someone in Jesus' time. What would they think of when they think of sheep and shepherd? So, um, so what, the first thing I want to point out is that a shepherd's flock in this context is his pride and joy. They are his very life. He loves seeing the sheep well taken care of. As a matter of fact, if a man would come into a village and he were greeted, the first thing he would be asked about is his, how's he doing? The second question is how's your flock doing? Before his wife and kids, which is, you know, I guess not disrespectful, but that's how important sheep were. That's how important their livestock were to them as a shepherd. What we want to do today is go through kind of the life of a sheep in this Middle Eastern context and then learn about our great shepherd, King Jesus, and our relationship with him as his followers, as his sheep. So we're going to start with the, you know, the beginning of the day. So um, we'll put our uh, picture up of a pen. So this is a pen, what a sheep pen would look like in Jesus' day. And it might be around buildings or whatever, but just so you've got the concept, you know, waist high, stone, there's only one opening. And it probably wouldn't be just one person's flock. There'd probably be multiple flocks in there so that they have a place of rest and of safety at night. And then a, a guard would lay in front of the, the opening at night so the sheep were protected and cared for. Then early in the morning when the dew was still on the ground, the shepherds would come and call for their sheep. John 10, 24 says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So I want to pull a few things out of here that the shepherd knows the sheep by name. And again, according to Philip Keller, that the shepherd wouldn't just give them some random name like Fred or whatever, but there was meaning, there was history behind that name. 
He gives the example of the one born in the dry riverbed, the beautiful lamb for which I traded two pots of honey. In other words, there's meaning behind the name. And what about when God calls our name? He calls us and he knows us. When it says he knows us by name, what does that mean? It means he knows our past. He knows the way he's made us. He knows our future. And I'm going to say my name, but please insert your name. He knows Carol with that pain, with that disappointment, with that hurt. He knows Carol with the way he's uniquely made me and wired me and made you. He knows Carol with the good plan that he's had for me since the foundation of the world, and he has for you. When he calls you by name, that's who he's calling. He knows you, and he is calling you. He also, when the shepherd calls the sheep, they come to him. Because what they know is that if their shepherd's calling them, that he actually has good things for them. Now, another thing Philip Keller points out is that sometimes he'd bring visitors out with them to his flock of sheep. And he'd tell them the words that he would say to call the sheep. And so then he'd say, now you guys try it. So they would say the words, and you know what the sheep did? Nothing. They're like, what? Who are you? What? Same words, wrong voice. They didn't go, they didn't follow, because it wasn't the voice of their shepherd. When Jesus calls us, John chapter 10, verse 5 says, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. And like I said, the sheep, as the sheep got to know a shepherd, he knew that whenever that shepherd called him, he had his benefit in mind. He wasn't just calling him, he was calling him to something. If you follow me, I'm going to bring you to pasture. If you follow me, I'm going to bring you to, to water. And as a matter of fact, then when the sheep would stand by that pen and call, they would actually come running to him. And it reminds me of my grand dog, Otto, that Pastor James mentioned. We have two sons in uh, Brooklyn, New York, Benjamin and Brandon, two beautiful daughters-in-law, Sanjeet and Liz. Benjamin and Sanjeet have... Otto. <laughs> Brandon and Liz have two cats, Luna and Guillermo. We haven't met them yet because of COVID. But Otto's actually been to our house. And we've taken care of him before. And so when we take him out sometimes for I open the front door to take him to, for a walk, guess what Otto did? He made a beeline to the car. And he just stayed like, please let me in this car. Why? Because if he got in that car, he was probably going to get to go through the Starbucks drive through and get a puppuccino. If you don't know what that is, check it out. Uh, I didn't know. Um, and then his parents are probably going to get Beyond Burgers at a drive through and he was going to get some hot, crispy French fries. And then he might get to even go to a dog park and play with dogs. All Otto knew is if I get in that car, something good is going to happen to me. What about us when we hear the voice of our shepherd? Do we run to him? Do we believe that he only has our best interests in mind? Does it mean that we won't go through tough times? No. But if we listen and we hear the voice and we run to him, we believe that he only has our best interests in mind. What a good shepherd we have.
in our King. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If you're a Christ follower, that's you. He's your good shepherd, you hear his voice and you follow. But I do wanna point out that that doesn't mean that anything that goes through here is God. You know, like, well, you know, I'm a sheep, I hear his voice. I don't know about you, but stuff goes through my head that is not coming from God. Voices of doubt, voices of discouragement, voices of confusion, voices of condemnation. How do I know when God is speaking to us? You know, sometimes we have big decisions to make. Sometimes we have small decisions to make. But as a Christian, we can hear the voice of our good shepherd. How do we do that? Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who by their, have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. How do I know? I get in this word, and I learn it. So when a voice comes, I'll be able to say, No, that's not from my, from my Savior. No, that's not from my shepherd. And I'm so grateful that we have tools at our church here. Bethel School Discipleship. You're going to learn Old Testament. You're going to learn New Testament, how to study the Bible. You're going to get deep in the Word and help you grow and learn the voice of your Savior because He is your good shepherd and He wants to lead you and guide you. We also have our purple book that gives the basic foundations of the faith to help you get grounded in the Word of God so that you can know that you um, hear from the voice of your Savior. And if you are a Christ follower, I encourage you to grab hold of this truth because this is true. Not, I can't, I don't know, I can't hear. No, the truth is you are a sheep, you hear his voice, and you will not listen to the voice of another. I've been having to practice it. No, nope, I'm not going to listen. 2 Corinthians 10 um, Five says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that takes, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's your promise. You can do that if Christ is your good shepherd. Okay, so we're, we haven't even left the pen yet. We're, we're going now. We're going out of the pen. And um, now the shepherd, he's called them. They've run to him. And now he's going to go out in front of them, and they're going to follow because they love their shepherd. Something good is going to happen to them. You know what that shepherd's done? He's thought about where he's going to take them. There's going to be some good grass here. Going to take them for water. He's planned it out. Makes me think of we are created in Christ to do good works that the Father's planned before, the, before us that we might walk in them. It's the plan of God. And so they're out, and they're grazing, and Jesus said also in John 10, 9, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will go in and go out and find pasture. Pastor James, what he talked about last week was Jesus is the door. He is the only way to have a relationship with God. But once we have that relationship, God's heart for us as his good shepherd is to lead us in, lead us out, show us every good thing he's created us for, that we might find good pasture, abundant life. He said he came to give us life and life abundantly. And that's what he wants for every human being, life abundantly. Number two, the good shepherd cares for and protects his sheep. Now, you know, when they're out in that pasture and they're roaming around, he's, he's keeping his eye on them, he's watching, but every now and then one will go missing. 
And he'll be like, uh-oh, and he'll go looking for him. And Philip Keller, I never saw this myself, but Philip Keller mentioned it in his book, that sometimes what happens to them is that it's called a cast sheep. And we're going to put that picture up there. What happens is sometimes this poor sheep <laughs> stuck on his back, cast sheep. Sometimes they're very heavy with child or their wool's heavy or they might have a misstep and they actually flip over on their back and they get stuck. And of course, what do they do then? They, they, they don't even bleep very, they just start struggling because they want to flip over and then it only makes it worse. And you know what happens? If somebody doesn't come and flip them over, they actually die within a few, it's just a short period of time. And it makes me think of two analogies for us as humans. Number one, trying to get to God through religion. I grew up in church my whole life. And I hoped I was a Christian, but I wasn't sure. And what I would try to do, and if we're really honest, without God, we're all dead in our sins and our trend, and we can't save ourselves. Religion tells us just try harder. Just do that or do this or don't do that. Just try. But in actuality, we can't flip ourselves over. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior to come and rescue us. Our good shepherd does that for us. But there's another way we can apply this first. What if you are a sheep? What if you do follow God? You can still get flipped over sometimes like, this, like that cast sheep. And we can just get into that, uh, again, mode of striving and trying and just beating ourselves up. But what we really need is our good shepherd to come and pick us up if, if we're cast, to pick us up. And as Philip Keller pointed out in his book, what's the posture of a shepherd when he sees his sheep? Now remember, this is his sheep. Is he mad? Is he disgusted? Oh no, he just cares. They're stuck, I'm gonna help them. And all he wants to do is come, if you just cry out to God, he just wants to come and pick you up. And what he does for that cash sheep, because now they've probably lost circulation in their legs. He just wants to come and rub those legs and get them going again. And for the purpose of just getting you back on track getting you back in the fold, getting you back on the flock. What a good shepherd. <laughs> and once we're back, what a blessing it is to be with the community of God in our life group ministry where we pray for one another, encourage one another. And maybe through that, we don't even end up here. <laughs> but if we do, we have an advocate. And then we have that Christian community to help encourage us. We all need it. We need it every day. And then, as they've been out all day, and now it's time to go back, because nighttime's coming, and there's predators, got to get them back in that fold. So now he's leading them back, and when they come to that door, that entrance, then he stops and he checks them over one by one, and he scratches anything they need. Are they thirsty? And if they've been scratched by a bush that day, then he takes and he rubs oil and he heals their wounds. What a picture 
of our good God, it makes me think of the verse in Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord is God is upon me because, and this is Jesus, He's, he proclaims this verse in the New Testament, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of prison to those who are bound. I don't have to tell you that life happens. You know, we're instructed every day in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need our good shepherd to come. Those places where we've been broken, those places where we're wounded, come that rub that oil and make us whole. We need our good shepherd every day. Now, the truth is that not every shepherd, sheep wanted to be led and that they were strays, called lost sheep. <laughs> now, in this, again, this time frame, how did a shepherd in the Middle Eastern setting find the strays? It wouldn't be like here in the West where maybe you'd send out a sheepdog and you try to herd them in, or a truck and try to herd them in. No, actually the shepherd went out to where the lost strays were, and he went out, and guess who followed him? His pet lambs, because they love their shepherd. Their bellwether, the one that had the bell leading the flock, just followed him and followed him up into that pasture where there were lost sheep, and then his sheep started grazing among the lost sheep. He just let them do that all day. And then he started walking back home. And of course, his pet sheep followed him. But guess who else followed? Those lost sheep. What a beautiful picture of when we just spend time with God and we get to know him, our good shepherd, and we have a peace that people don't understand. And we have a joy that people don't understand. And we walk with our Savior. They'll start following They'll want to know, what do you have? What is it about you? And it sure takes the pressure off. We follow Jesus. We bring people. We invite them in. And it makes me think of our three outreaches that we just did recently. Because another uh, story that Jesus tells is that he loves his sheep, but he actually leaves the 99 to go after the one. And I think of that uh, nursing home that some of you went and visited and... Um, <laughs> that Jesus is there caring for those elderly people. People that think, does my life matter anymore? And then somebody comes and loves on me and shows me I'm still valuable. You get to walk with your Savior and show those elderly people that. Or that apartment complex full of refugees, what's their story? What's their painful story? of how they ended up in America. And now they're here, do they know the language? Do they have anything to eat? Does anybody care? Jesus is at that apartment complex, and we got to partner with him and walk with him and show them they do matter. We're glad you're here. We want to help you. We want to uh, help take care of you. What about um, Knowledge Academy? Reaching the next generation or our college ministry. Jesus is there. He's, one, he's walking around. He cared about that young man that didn't know he even had a purpose. He cares about those young people. And we got to partner with him and show them there is hope. There is something valuable about your life. Please don't take your life. Your life is important. And we get to partner with him and then lead them to the Savior. What a great shepherd. 
Number three, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. John 10, 11 through 16 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. I just so love that Jesus included us. You know, that's you and me. If you're not a Jewish person by birth, we're the other sheep. And his heart is for every nation, every human. He has come to save the world. And, what a, and he actually lays down his life for the sheep. And we see David in the Old Testament, who is a type of Christ, a shepherd king. And we see what he did when his flock was attacked by the lion or the bear. He fought. He didn't run. And now we see that Jesus... Uh, is even willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Now, if you think about it, though, as an as a actual shepherd, if, and, you know, he's protecting his sheep and he dies, it's good for that moment, but what about tomorrow? They have nobody. They're, they're, those poor sheep are helpless without a shepherd. But our great king, and 1 Corinthians 15, 13 through 14 says, But if there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ is not raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. So it isn't the act just of death that saves us. If we have hope in this life only, we are the people to be most pitied. But Jesus knew when he said he would lay down his life for the sheep, that he actually had authority to take it up again. He said, nobody takes my life from me. Nobody, took, uh, nobody hung him on that cross. He willingly went. Nobody takes it from me, and I have authority to raise my life up from the dead. And that is the great Christian hope, that he lays his life down for the sheep, but he raises it up so we can actually become his sheep and have resurrection power living on the inside of us. That's the good news that will come next Sunday, right? <laughs> So I just want to go back to our first question. Who is riding on that donkey? The one who has always existed is riding on that donkey. The creator of the universe is riding on that donkey. The one who chose to eternally unite himself with humanity, what did that cost him? That's who's riding on that donkey. The true Israel, the fulfillment of David, the shepherd king, the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises, the great high priest, the perfect one who never sinned, the bread of life, the door, the light of the world, the resurrection of the light, the way, the true, and the life is light on that donkey. The good shepherd is on that donkey. And I hope that, the reason I picked this picture is that I really didn't want to show Jesus' face. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm I'm actually a really bad drawer, so I'm not saying anything when I talk about artists, but I don't ever 
really see a picture that I think maybe captures Jesus' face. Sometimes he looks sad, he looks indifferent, but that's not who Jesus is. So I wanted you to see this, and then with your eyes of imagination, see our strong Jewish carpenter sitting on that donkey. What's coming out of his eyes right now? Pure love, determination, this is it. This is what he came for. This is what he's been preparing from the foundation of the world. He's here at the beginning of the end of his life on earth. He's being carried by a donkey, but in a few days, he's going to be carrying the cross. And then a few hours from that, he's going to be carrying the weight of the world, the sin that you and I have done of the whole world. He's going to be carrying that. And why did he do that? Because he thought you were worth it. He thought you were worth dying for. He thought you were, you were his lost sheep that he came to seek and to save. He wants to be with you now to give you abundant life to lead, guide, and protect you. And best thing of all, he wants to give you resurrection life. That's our good shepherd. That's who's riding on that donkey. And his question for you today, are you a sheep? Have you believed in this one, this great God? Or have you just tried to find him? You need a savior. And if you don't know him today, you can pray and ask this great God to come and be your great king, your savior, and your great shepherd. But are you the one? You love Jesus, but maybe you feel stuck. Do you feel stuck sometimes in depression? Do you feel stuck in despair? Do you feel stuck in a sin pattern? Oh, I can't believe I did that again. Oh, I can't believe I didn't do that again. Oh, I can't believe I thought that again. Do you feel stuck? Let the good shepherd come. Bring you around. Get those legs going again. And get you on that path, that path of righteousness. That's your good shepherd. That's what he wants to do for you. I just want us to pray right now as I sense the Holy Spirit of God in the room. And I trust everybody watching, this is for you. Jesus died for you. He thought you were worth going through all of this for. We don't understand it, but we receive it with humility, gratefulness, and awe. You loved us enough to die for us. And God, for those that don't know you, I pray, just pray this prayer, Lord, I see. I see I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you, and I can't save myself. I'm asking you, Jesus, to come. I receive what you've done for me. I repent of my sins, and I choose to follow you, and I ask you to come into my life and change me and save me. But if you feel like that cast sheep, and you are part of his fold, I just pray right now that you'd sense the Holy Spirit of God coming afresh in your life to give you comfort, to give you encouragement, that it's not over, that you haven't messed up so far, it's too late. 
Come back to your good shepherd. Let him minister to you. Let him heal you and let him get you back on the path. I pray, God, for each set, Lord. They'd feel your beautiful uh, uh, ministry of your love to them right now. You're for them. You're not against them. You're our good shepherd. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.